0: Alright, hello, hello everybody. Welcome once again to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. I am your host Vincent Williams, here as always with co-host Lynn Webb.
1: Hey, what's up? How your boy? This is Lynn, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble.
0: And this evening, I'm doing the evening thing, and this episode,
1: it's all good.
0: We are going to explore 1966's the Black Klansman. Da, 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 da. But before <laughs> we do that, I believe we have some business, Mr. Webbs. So we do. We have some, some co- feedback. So. We have
1: feedback and some correction. A some correction. correction. All right. We did a review a couple of weeks ago of Girl 6. Yes. Spike League's Girl 6. And we were mentioning uh, the DP in that film. And I incorrectly um, uh, gave his gave his name. Uh, his actual name of the director of photography of that Spike Lee joint, Girl Six, is Malik Hassan Saeed.
0: What, what did you say? You didn't say that.
1: I don't think I said. I'm pretty sure I didn't say that. Okay. All right. I'm, Fair I'm enough. I'm sure I did not say that. So I wanted to um, correct that.
0: We tape this in real time, folks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have notes, but but anyone who's ever done radio or television or or again anything in real time, it's it, it happens in real time so you know you, you think you know and, and sometimes you make mistakes and, and then you know hopefully you show up next week and we can clarify things definitely
1: Um. also our friend of the show Dorian Missick yes uh, yes very he, nice he reached out to I us I do love hearing that <laughs> don't you know <laughs> uh, he said good looking out on the Animal Kingdom shout out on the Girl 6 episode okay so he appreciated right. that right. and he said my thoughts he actually would rank girl six barely above Chirac.
0: Okay. So he agrees with you. So he agrees with me. Okay. All right. I I would take issue with the barely. Like I would love to talk about that barely. See the barely.
1: It's, there's not enough room for you. That's
0: what, what that's where the wings and the brew are involved. I got you. Like the barely. So there you, you know, go.
1: So wings and brew to discuss To the discuss barely. the barely. Right. But okay, fair well, he enough. Said it, he said, "He see y'all in August." All week. right, we'll see if we can't make that happen. All right. Um, we also put it out to people asking exactly, trying to get an idea of when do they listen to the Michelle Mission. Okay, that's right. About true, that. true. Um, and I think it's interesting that you talked about um, about you saying good evening uh, this morning, uh, this morning, this on this episode. Here I go. Uh, Manfred Oliver hit us up on Facebook. And said, I don't plan it this way, but I seem to listen to your show mostly when I'm prepping meals and or eating them. Okay. So, which seems to e- e- evoke that he's, you know, doing this in the evening. Okay. All so, right. There so you go. I think the evening is very apropos.
0: Well, you know, I think evening in like, I think when I listen to things, so it's like, you know, in the morning or, or in the evenings, mm-hmm. you, you know, when you, it's not the hustle and bustle of the day. Yeah. Or or, you know, I'm sure people, if not us, listen to podcasts, you know, on the stationary bike at the gym or very true, you yeah. know, as you've said, traveling to and fro from That's jobs. True. So, OK, very nice. Thank Man- you.
1: Manfred also said that he loves the use of Billy's NOLA as our our theme. Yeah. Yeah. It's right on point. I do have to. I, I think we've mentioned it before, but I, it bears repeating that. um using Nola as our theme was Vince's suggestion.
0: I'm I'm a big fan of Bill Lee. I mean, I'm a big you know, I'm a big fan of that whole package of of the the early Spike Lee films yeah. and and you know. Well, well, when we get to She's got to have it and and certainly any of the first six Spike 6 if you will, we mm. will we'll talk about that much much more, but 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 yes, I'm a big fan of Nola.
1: Uh, Lynn Marie hit us up on Facebook as well and said that I usually listen to your two sultry voices all right on the way to and from work or during my work day to help me through the day. I'm currently starting my work day off with your latest show. Nice job and keep up the great work. Hashtag listening to the mission. Oh,
0: thank you, Lynn.
1: That thank so, you. That's- I appreciate, you know, I appreciate that. Most most definitely, most definitely. Um, So we we definitely enjoy all that feedback. We actually got longer pieces of feedback that I that we're going to take the time because it's it's pretty dope to share. And you know,
0: people don't have to feedback. Exactly. You know, people don't have to say anything. So so. when we get it, we know very appreciative.
1: We're going to share it. So this this one is a little long. Uh, This is from Steve Tozen who uh, said that he's enjoying the mission and the search as someone who came to this. Uh, no, excuse me. As someone who came this close to naming his son, asked Oscar Michaud. Wow. The first and middle name. Wow. That is pretty dope. I was intrigued when the Michaud mission showed up on my SoundCloud feed, knowing what I knew about America's first black director. I thoroughly enjoyed the bulk of the shows, especially, especially in giving a month to Prince, but honestly thought the best episode of the show didn't even have a movie review. Oh. The Search for Girl 6, which was the episode that we did talking about... Yeah, t- re- t- t-
0: talking about our Search for Girl. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, gave me what I hadn't had in years, a true discussion about black filmmaking and hearing names I hadn't heard referenced in ages. It reminded me, Reminded me how unbelievably fortunate I was to have a privately owned video store less than a thousand feet from my house during the early eighties where I could run a VHS for a dollar sixty two after tax. I got my hands on flicks like Brother from Another Planet and Hollywood Shuffle and Mm. got to see people who look like me make film as a form of art, not primarily as a revenue generating venture. Amen. I know that's right. Knowing that, though, the episode's discussion made me think about the conundrum YouTube proposed, mainly who will be the gatekeepers and curators of such art for future generations if they choose to consume it, which is probably another discussion on its own. My response after giving it some thought was, why not you guys? you've already created an an ambitious mission to review and by proxy document every black film that act itself helps create a database of these films that can be scoured, parsed, and linked probably the only thing left to find is a registered organization that will preserve this with the backing of a major art cinema group you guys are on the cusp of something that can last forever if you choose to stay on this path the Michaud mission is something that can really last forever generations i can't wait for you to have spike lee month or at least just do she's gotta have it and clockers mm. and if i may
0: you know i'm chomping at the bit
1: i know dog <laughs> and if i may i'd like to submit a suggestion for a theme black diaspora month with the following titles for review viva riva the first major cinematic release for the democratic republic of congo Carter the they come a Jamaican class Yeah, classic. that's good stuff. Zuzu, Josephine Baker's cinematic debut in France for a woman who just left St. Louis a year prior, she crushes it. Huh. I really enjoy the show and your discussions and I think it's one of the most important podcasts out there. Live long the Michelle Mission. Oh and by the way thanks for letting me know a week later that Melinda doesn't exist yeah, guys
0: that's my bad could have
1: saved me a revolting <laughs> d- development
0: that's that's my bad
1: live long and prosper steve tozen
0: thank you steve and I, I apologize once again <laughs> yeah that's
1: that, that's uh... but thank
0: you for all those kind words i think um I, I i i agree you know i think i think we're trying to do you know we're trying to do something important like you know if you're going to do some reach and i think we're reaching and you know i would love to be in a position to be one of those people to preserve this work me too you know one brick at a time
1: one brick at a time
0: one brick at a time but uh, i think but thank you
1: he's uh that that's really cool and that's really cool feedback i really did appreciate that uh steve um and we did get got, uh, a little one more piece of feedback and this is from one of our favorites here on the Michelle Mission and that would be Robert Monroe. Robert! Junior. Yes, you know Robert had to hit us up and um, he hit us with a lengthy bit uh, and also in regards to uh, Girl 6. Well, in response to Girl 6. Brothers, Robert writes, I'm just listening to your episode about girl six and your discussion about the criterion collection hit a nerve. I have a lot of DVDs and a lot of the criterion collection releases. It's obvious that there is a serious bias in what they choose to release. They are lacking in American films by black, Latino, Native American, and Asian directors. But whenever someone like Wes Anderson craps out a movie, Whoa. craps out, because oh. I think Anderson is grossly overrated. Oh. They put out <laughs> they put out a nice package Whoa. of the film. And let's not talk about how they put out releases of any B grade fifty year old Japanese film oh, they can my find. Goodness. Like, hipster Gold. Oh, Robert. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> mm i've got this chuck d on I, I, have, to say. I have written to criterion on, on a number of occasions about expanding the diversity of their releases and to include films from the african continent but i've yet to hear a response maybe if there was a concerted effort among the dvd blu-ray buying public they may listen and do something to diversify their releases maybe they need to hire some brothers and sisters to hit them to something other than the limited world of cinema they seem to know about I was just on Hulu looking for a movie to watch and thinking of current events along with your recent discussion of Girl 6. And I decided to watch Do the Right Thing. Mm. Interestingly, the Criterion Collection selection of Hulu doesn't have Do the Right Thing available Sing. for streaming. See? Any idea why that is? It's bad enough that Criterion is seriously lacking in their selection of films by African American. African American and African Caribbean directors but I would think that one of the most important films of the 1990s would be available for streaming especially now thankfully I have a copy in my extensive Criterion Collection collection
0: mm. well I will just say I, I I am a fan of the Criterion Collection I'm a fan of, of, of Wes Anderson as I think I mentioned before and I think I agree with Robert that they clearly have a bias, but you know, I'm also a big believer in, you know, you do what you want in your house. And, and that is criterion's house. Now I would love if someone, or I would like if the criterion collection expanded, perhaps who was on their board of people who choose films, Mm -hmm. but I would love if people took a page out of, um, you know, Ava DuVernay's book, um, and, and you know what she's doing with Array, and, and sort of opening up different films under her own heading, or frankly, you, you know, did he, he ends up in my mouth much more than I thought he would? Uh, Tyler Perry, you know, j- I would rather somebody just built their own collection.
1: They built their own Criterion collection, right? Like yeah. something,
0: something analogous to that. Exactly, like like you know. Well, this is again this criterion collection, this that and the other, and, and but apparently they're not filling a need, mm-hmm. so somebody else fills the need, and then but then, I, I think Robert makes a good point about the buying public and. You know, we gotta support this stuff. Like you gotta like like we gotta support this stuff. And, and you know, one thing I wanted to pull out from what Robert said, I appreciated that he said he had a bone to pick with Criterion and then he took action. Yeah. You know, even he if that you know, the act wrote the letter and you corresponded with them. And and you know, I'm a I'm a big believer in that. Like I'm a big believer in actually making a movement for that. I think I think one of the things that you and I talked about initially like, like the very first one of maybe the first conversation we had about this is that you know nobody does this, yeah. So we gonna do it.
1: It's a shame, um, you know. He he, Robert went in and wrote the letter. He, he he, you know, followed up right on that. The unfortunate thing is, and I don't know this, I don't have any st- statistics to prove this, but I have a feeling that the African American or African Caribbean or or African slash whatever a uh, uh, demographic as far as criterion collection fans right it's very minimal yes and thus as much as you know he can be very you know uh, forthright in his with in his letter and in his writing and in his argument and making very valid points right um because that Demographic does not show on their bottom dollars their answer would be well, why should we
0: well i think I think it's and I know we've now turned this into like <laughs> at some point we're going to talk about a movie folks um, I think there are certain and and you know this is sort of almost the it's a version of the Oscar argument mm-hmm. but I think when you are dealing with a company or you're dealing with a brand that has this this level of credibility. Where where, you know, a director like a Wes Anderson, like who's come up a couple of times in this Criterion conversation. If 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 Anchor Bay, if Warner Brothers, if whoever puts you know, Best Buy kind of throws a Wes Anderson in a bundle, he has a name so that he doesn't necessarily need the Criterion Collection stamp. Yeah. But I think what what kind of um what kind of complicates that argument about whether or not there is a quote unquote market for you you know the these 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 directors of african descent or you know directors of in, i mean you know because we, we you know we talk about black movies but there's a whole world of cinema that isn't represented you, you know true. you you Very know true. you talk about the the billion dollar bollywood yeah. Uh, film scene. You talk about all of these places that kind of make these wonderful films that aren't represented. And the thing is, at this point, if the Criterion Collection puts out a film, there are, and we, we said this, there are people who just buy all of them mm-hmm. because it's the Criterion Collection and because, you know, there's this built-in credibility. But, you know, again, I, I, I agree. Obviously, you know, we talked about it. I was very passionate about it. But I also the the older I get, it it really is it becomes that James Brown thing. You, you know, you ain't got to open no door for me; just show it to me, and I'll open it myself. Yeah. So, which kind of goes back to Stephen's point about you know people stepping up and and kind of curating and, and doing this
1: because it's important. It is very
0: important. You know, I think it's important. So
1: it may have to be us. Vince. I mean, it may have to be us. More and more the signs are pointing to that. I I mean I mean you know we we
0: certainly have the passion and and we certainly have a vision you know I'm not going to say the vision Mm -hmm. but we have a vision and and we have you know opinions and and, you know dare I say some of those opinions aren't informed yeah. Now we don't have no funding but that's a whole
1: different conversation but hey man well we're putting it out there into the world and uh, one of the things that Stephen had written uh, to us uh, in his email. I, di- I didn't read it, um, but he had mentioned that you know, hey, if we have problems finding like certain films, just put it out there to our fans because you know our fans have their way. You know, all right, quote unquote. Uh, it's a group uh, project, there, right? There's a group project. This is something that we could all take on. I would love. I mean, I would love for it to be somebody like Oprah Winfrey or Robert L. Johnson Amen. who all of a sudden put their money behind. Um, uh, some type of initiative to start chronicling these films and remembering these films. Yeah. Taking, taking if they only took the films that were on the that listing that we we read off from, um, right, uh, right about the top twenty five, right,
0: right from Saloon,
1: right from um, I'm yeah. Slate. From Slate. Slate I'm from sorry. Slate. Yeah. From Slate Magazine. The top 25 or 50 um,
0: absolutely
1: b- films by black directors. If you only just use them. Yeah. And did like you know uh, quote unquote criterion uh, collections of each of those like a, films. Like a
0: Michelle collection. And like we do. Man. Like, like you know we could do commentary and interviews because you know okay. I, I, I will say this. I'm a good interviewer. I think Lynn's a great interviewer. So like we do interviews and I
1: mean it's hey. See
0: See Liz actually give me the shut up face like I no, because, I need to stop talking because All you're right. in my Lynn, mind. Lynn, man, I'm gonna be quiet. I'm gonna be you're quiet. you in my Lynn. mind. All right.
1: You're in my mind. Things have been percolating this I, whole time. I think I think everybody
0: kind of gets where this is and again, I think um I think it's important to note that that we are this is a collective Yeah. After we have a friend that said, you know, we had Michelle missionaries, and I thought that was the coolest. Uh that's dope. I thought that was the coolest little thing that she said. Dope. You know, so we are all Michelle missionaries, and that is
1: so. I love uh, that Michelle missionaries.
0: Now, you know, you was on the same text when I I, like I got at the same time that you you didn't read the text. I didn't see that. Yeah, she said, you know, Michelle missionaries, and I said that's the dopest thing I've ever heard in my life.
1: Who, Who said that? Lee. She did? Remember Lee? T- oh, oh, she sure did. Remember she texted us a couple sure weeks did. ago. And we were, did yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, yeah. anyway. Lee's Lee who was on our uh, right, purple, right, right. purple ring. Alright, dope. All right, that, that's cool. That's yeah, dope. so, you know, we all <sighs> The ideas are popping. The ideas are popping. You know, me and Lynn are here
0: and we talk, but but really it, it really is a group. It's a group effort. It's a group
1: effort. And now it's time for the group to... we uh, <laughs> gonna get this um <laughs> Black Landsman. <laughs> get, this, get this out of the way. Alright, so, without further ado
0: tonight's episode, The Black Landsman. The Ku Klux Klan killed my little girl. Now I'm alone in this hostile world.
1: Okay, it's not just a passage of time that has people looking back at the 60s as, uh, you know, incendiary times. When you were living in it, in the midst of the civil rights movement and all the change, unrest, heartache, and violence that came with it, you knew you were walking in history. You knew that all around you were stories that would be told and retold for years to come. You also knew that the times would create their own tales fables that use the trappings of the movement to illustrate the mood the feelings of the day the Aesop's of of yesteryear uh, who told the original fables by 1966 have given way to Hollywood sized mega parables of Cecil B. DeMille and Alfred Hitchcock and Ted V. Mickels Mm. Now
0: <laughs> you throw his <laughs> name in there too.
1: You may not know who Ted V. Mickles is. Ted V. Mickles, um, the director of such um, such rousing cinema as the Corpse Grinders and the, <laughs> and the uh, the the Dow House, um, is the director of the Black Klansman, a feature film that was originally released in 1966 under the name I Crossed the Color Line. Set during the struggle for civil rights, the film tells the story of an African-American man played by a white man named Richard Gildon, who disguises himself as a white man to join the Ku Klux Klan to seek revenge on Klan members who killed his daughter. Now, this is, so it's very interesting that this is a movie um, starring a white man playing a black man. Yes. So he's portraying a black man who then uh, disguises himself as a white man. Yes. To penetrate the Ku Klux Klan so that he can avenge the death of his daughter who it should be noted. I think interestingly enough was living down in the south. Yes. While he was living in Los Angeles as a jazz musician um with his white girlfriend, not the mother of his daughter
0: right um well she had died she died she had she had died and, and he, i think I think she was actually his wife, I from, think they say it was his wife and
1: nevertheless, okay. he left the daughter yes, with his mom in the south, yes. It's a timely movie for when it comes out. It comes out in nineteen sixty-six, uh, right, literally on the cusp of the signing of the Civil Rights Act. Yes, um, so it it's very steeped in of its time, and because of that, and because it does speak to being, you know, the end of the Civil Rights Act, it speaks to the frustration that all concerned have uh, while he lives in Los Angeles doing his jazz. Is is jazz thing. The bulk of this film takes place in I think Turner'sville, Alabama. Turner'sville, Alabama. That's right. right. Where, which is where his daughter, where his daughter was. Um, but Turner'sville, Alabama, which you can just imagine um, at at the signing of the Civil Rights Act, you have a a community that is unsure of exactly where what's going on life as they have known it has just been turned upside down. I mean it's a hotbed of it's it's racist. It's a racist South. Mm-hmm. And they and they they their their races has been, you know, perfected to a T. Black people don't go here. Black people do this. White people are the are superior and that's it, that's it that's it. That's it. That's the law. That's what that's the way it goes. Now with the signing of the Civil Rights Act, you have some black people who are naturally, still a little skeptical about what's going on, but some that are eager to exercise their rights. Right. Their civil rights. You also have the the white people in this community, and as the film kind of... If, if the film were to believe the majority, if not all of the white people in this community are like you know damn that, that's just a piece of paper. It don't mean nothing.
0: Right, right. We like things the way they are. We like are. the way, things they, sure. way they are,
1: you know? Sure. That don't mean nothing down here. Right. Uh, so this movie basically it starts off with a young man who wants to go and now for the first time go to a, a cafe in town um, and sit at the front you know where the black people were never allowed, and enjoy himself a cup of coffee. He doesn't want to sit there and, and and eat a whole meal and read the newspaper and you know flaunt my civil rights in in your face. I just want a cup of coffee. Right, right, right. You know cup what I mean. Coffee. But heaven forbid, heaven forbid he has the cup cup of coffee because everyone has to now you know like uh, all of a sudden it smells bad in here and they giving them all giving them the business and they walking out. But it's not a, it's not enough that they show their their uh, disliking of this because this is, you know, we have shown in the beginning of the movie, and just by the title of the movie, The Black clansmen that this is about the Klan. Everybody that you, pretty much every white person that you meet, unless they're a female, they're clansmen. Right. <laughs> you know, so they're like, ah, oh, damn that. You know, so the next thing you know, the guy is walking home, they roll up on him, they shoot him and kill him. Yes. And then they hang him. Yes. Just to show just how much, you know, we have no regard for your life living or dead. Right. You right. know, there's, there's nothing that a black man can do for us but be low-hanging fruit.
0: Right. Right.
1: And it, it's uh first of all, this is a very low-budget movie. Yes. The, the independent film of its time, which, you know, as independent films have always um you know are usually the ones that are are called upon to maybe speak about what truly is going on in in America with maybe a sharper eye and a sharper tongue than your the the mass hollywood productions are going to do uh, so this definitely has its it its tongue is is sharp it's razor sharp in this film the scary thing about it is that the actions of this, of these uh, Ku Klux Klansmen, who after hanging this young man for no other reason than the, the, the Klan, they like, you know, I just don't feel fulfilled. Yeah, it's just not enough.
0: It's the the evening's still young.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's still early. You know, let's go bomb a church. Right, right. So right. they go firebomb a church, which is where they are, uh, um, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Ellsworth, Jerry Ellsworth, his daughter, um, inadvertently is killed. Yes, um, it it bears some noting that they don't throw the bomb at her; they throw it at the church, and she walks out she as walks out, the bomb right, as actually the bomb hits, explodes, yeah. um, because she is the only person that is killed. Yeah, um, because of the bomb to watch this and to watch some of the actions that that happen in this film you know the 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 racism that is depicted in this film the actions that are depicted of these white men that are that are depicted of the police officers in these in this town of turnersville the the law the mayor the the the, the everyone in this film it would be easy to say because it's it's low budget and it's going for and it's you know it's trying to reach out to the lowest common denominator out there that some of these actions are sensationalized, but they're not. No, this is many, history. Yeah, many absolutely. of these. You know, while this is not based on a true story, many of these actions are ripped right from the headlines. I would
0: say the actions are downplayed <laughs> compared to reality. Yeah,
1: you know? yeah, very much so. Um, and yet, even still with that there is still a strangeness and a um there is still a level of sensationalism to Mm -hmm. some of these actions when jerry in los angeles hears about his daughter dying and hearing that it was the ku klux klan that killed his killed his daughter he all of a sudden, at the time that he hears it, he's in bed with his girlfriend, his white girlfriend. Yes. And he's, he goes off into like this big rage against white people. You right. Know? Like white yeah. people, white people, white people. Kind of understandable. Right. You know, because I like, imagine what he's he's had to go through. But then that rage then leads him to literally beat the hell out of his girlfriend. Right, right. He strangles her. Yeah. Which, yeah. and that's like, whoa. Yeah. You, know, you went to zero to like 160 yeah. real quick, dude. You know, um, it's so and and then there is some of the, uh, the later in action in in response to the Ku Klux Klansmen seemingly killing this boy for no reason. You gotta imagine this wasn't the first time, right? They done this, but this was because this is after the signing of the Civil Rights Act. Everybody was like, "No, they like damn this." There are some people in the in in the community who was like, "Yo, we need to." strike back right but we don't know how to strike back so they reach out to New York
0: up uh, I got a call we we, we we got we got we got to separate that part of the conversation really we can't talk about Max Julian in in this
1: really that's Good a whole separate conversation that's okay. a whole separate section all right man. so so go ahead because Max and
0: do the plot and say that. but don't talk about Max Julian I won't talk about all him. right go ahead so
1: they reach out they reach out to New York
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and they get some um some agitators, if you will they they're
0: actually northern agitators northern <laughs> agitators
1: to come down and basically you know show them how it's done right as far as getting back at the man, yes, um, and there's a couple of guys that come down, one guy who's wearing uh, obviously like his his youngest brother's suit um <laughs> uh they come down to kind of like show show the town like this is this is how it should be done. And we're we're going to get this. We're we're going to show them exactly hit them where they hit us. Um, And meanwhile, while that's going on, Jerry's girlfriend from back in California and his buddy, um, who's a a darker skinned black guy. Yes. uh, Follow him to Turnersville, Alabama.
0: Did you, you haven't mentioned why Jerry's coming to Turnersville, Alabama. Well, he's
1: coming to Turnersville, Alabama because hearing that his, his daughter died, and hearing that she died at the, the hand of the Ku Klux Klan, he decides looking into the mirror one day that he... You know what? I bet that I could pass for White. Yes. And then I could infiltrate the Ku Klux Klan. Yes. And thus find out who it was that killed my daughter yes so that i can take them out yes so he infiltrates, so he cuts off the, the weirdest looking goatee i've ever seen in the world right. in the world and puts on what literally is a brown i don't know a moccasin on his head right uh, but other than that he looks like a white guy because right. he is a white
0: because guy. he is actually a white guy. He is
1: a white guy. There's no makeup here. No. Is, so he's not performing in blackface. So
0: he has I think an afro wig over his his hair and then he puts
1: a a white hair A wig. white-haired
0: wig over the afro wig. Yes. Because now he's he's passing for he's white. He's
1: passing. He's passing for white. And he goes to Turnersville to talk to the um uh, and I I want to get this person's right the, the the head of the um ku klux klan the head of the ku klux klan there who is the oh man what i want to say he's the exalted what is he the exalted crayola what is, no he's the exalted cyclops i was about to say i think cyclops is he's actually the, exult, the exalted cyclops mm-hmm. of the local kkk
0: which is not affiliated with the national,
1: which they make sure they, to point that out whole, to you. Okay, go they, ahead. I'm sorry. Definitely, I'm sorry. A point. I just want to make sure. Like, don't don't. Oh you, yeah, because you can't skirt over it. Right, that. right, right. You know, like you know, we're not affiliated with the national KKK. We're an independent KKK. Right. Because the right. national KKK is all about just the money. You know, right, like right, no, no, right. no. We're about we're 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 about doing it our way. So they making sure because they don't want to disparage you know the national KKK, um, but. Jerry is coming because no I like the way y'all KKK. I don't like that K the national KKK. I want to do KKK the way you do the KKK. I like your KKK way. And, and
0: I'm going to bring it to
1: And I'm going to open up a branch. I'm yes. going to open up Mick KKK's back back in Los Angeles. Yes. You know so you can help me do this. So, mm-hmm. you know, and basically, you know, he he plies the exalted Cyclops with basically, a, like, you get off the plane in Los Angeles, we're going to give you $5,000 and set you up. So he's like, oh, cool, that's great. As a matter of fact, just for doing that, meet my daughter. Yeah. So now he rides around in his daughter. This is a very, and again, a very interesting part about this film. You have a a guy who's, who is in the film, he's playing a black guy. Yeah. Passing as white, yes. Yet as a black guy, and also as a black guy, passing as a white, as a white guy, yeah. you see him with in bed.
0: Yeah, he sleeps with two white with women. Two white women. Yeah. Oh yeah. Getting
1: it in. Yeah. Nineteen
0: sixty-six. You know? <laughs> Holla. Yeah.
1: Um. I was ve- I was curious when I when I chose this film. I chose it thinking I'm not going to like this film this looks but this looks like a film that we need to we need to see right right um, like this this there's nothing about this film that could be good and to the point it's not that great a film no I mean you know it is what it is it is what it is and yet I came away kind of feeling this film. Mm-hmm. Feeling what it was going for, feeling especially in 1966, I felt uh, uh, um, a little proud of this film. Mm-hmm. That in 1966, right off the cusp of the signing of the Civil Rights Act, that it would put this out there in your face, let you know that this is still this is still going on. And of course, we all knew it was still going on, right? But for this to be director Ted Mickles the producer Joe Solomon, who, and both of them. They both they, they they deal in schlock,
0: you know. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. The
1: Corpse Bride. Um, I think uh, the the Dial House. The the producer Joe Solomon does movies like uh, the Gay Deceivers. This is a hijack. Simon, Simon King of Witches. I mean, that's what they're used to putting out there. Yet there is a social commentary. There is an awareness. Um, and there, there is a urgency to this story that I think is um, that is poignant, that is necessary, and comes through in the film. It like again, could it have been done a lot better? Yes. Could the writing have been been uh, um, professional? Mhm. Certainly could the acting have been professional the cinematography all of that yes. And and y- with all of that and still with the sensationalism and like uh uh peaked at 11 in this film I still found myself kind of buying into it a, a right, little bit. Right. And uh I I can't say that I enjoyed it. Right. But I can't say that I I, I can't dismiss it either.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's a schlocky movie. It's, it's schlock. It's it's pulp. It's, it's you know, it's all of these things. You know, everything that you've said that when you look at the, the filmography of the director and, and the two writers of the script, Art Names and John Wilson. Yeah. And, and you know, and you see the kind of stuff that they wrote. Like, these are not... These are not a forward-thinking group of people when you look at their filmography. But but I absolutely agree with you. I think there's an energy to this that, you know, part of the reason I like low-budget movies. Like, like that sort of, like, you can tell that this was a, you know, a done-in-one yeah set. You know, they
1: filmed the filmed scene, all right, done, keep it moving. Well, they advertised, the advertisement for this film is like crazy. Like, they advertised on a movie poster, like, this is the film that was shot in secret.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. But and, and you know, along with that, I, I think this is a good film for us to talk about it because it does it fits in these two really interesting traditions in in American art, and I think the first one is this sort of pop culture history of the depiction of the Ku Klux Klan mm. and 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 the role the Ku Klux Klan has played uh, throughout the years and, and, and you know you sort of start with um the work that Williams Williams uh, Stinson Kennedy did in the 40s where he's like the first person that really kind of infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan and said that this is this is a terrorist group and this is what they've done and and, and you know everything that came out of that and, and a lot of what we know about the inner workings of the Ku Klux Klan, comes from his work yes and 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 you know and from that something that that you and i would are interested in from another angle as as comic dudes right you know famously kennedy went to dc comics at that point and superman had a radio show and it's a famous episode of superman where superman fights the ku klux klan yep but it's radical because at this moment you know, it really like like I think we all take for granted that oh, it's the Klan and and their terrorist organization and they do bad things and they lynch people, but there was a period in this country where people had debates about mm-hmm. whether or not the Ku Klux Klan was good. Exactly, and and I think this film very much fits into this tradition of art looking at the Ku Klux Klan and saying what they are and more importantly, what they aren't like, like, you know, I thought it was really important, you know, besides the fact that, that they're murderers and, and, and all of this stuff, that so much of the inner workings of the Ku Klux Klan in this film had to do with money. Yeah. Like, like, you know, it's all this talk about, we're not affiliated Mm -hmm. with, the the actual Ku Klux Klan. But, you know, just to bring another movie in here, like, this is the McDowells of Ku Klux Klans.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, they exactly. don't want to
0: pay the franchise fees
1: <laughs> exactly to be
0: affiliated with, like, you know, we want to lynch people, we want to burn down churches, but we don't want to pay our money to the actual Ku Klux Klan. Right. So, and it's all of this stuff that even when Like you said, when Jerry comes and says, I want to start a branch like yours, I don't want to be affiliated with the central branch. But he says, but I'll give you $5,000. So it's all of this that kind of undermines this very real conversation at this moment. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying at this moment, I feel like one of them crazy ass you, uh, Congressman just said something like last week about, oh, they talk about the Ku Klux Klan, but they keep the peace. And, you know, this whole mythology of the Ku Klux Klan that, you know, kind of c- comes out of Birth of a Nation. Mm-hmm. So that I appreciate this film as it fits into that, that, you know, in no uncertain terms, the Ku Klux Klan is bad and they're in their tears. And they're just a bunch of thugs. Like Like, they're a bunch of thugs. And, you know, they kill children and they kill people. So that's the one part. The other part that really interests me is I'm always kind of fascinated with the notion of passing, and you know, black people pretending to be white people. And and you know, you, you look at it in literature, and you know, Charles Chestnut writes about writes about a lot in his short stories. Uh, there's this amazing novel called Plum Bun by mm. Jesse Fawcett that's about passing, and of course, you know, maybe the most famous passing author was Nella Larson in her right. two novels on passing and and the thing about passing is that passing is never about blackness passing is about whiteness exactly and how unstable whiteness is and the fact that you had these people who who are very you know have this anxiety about you know the purity of whiteness and 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 the fact that you had some black people who could say that they were white but but if they can say that they can they're white, like what's you know it is like like I've brought in a boomerang now you bring in another great text, like it's the star bellied sneeches from doc from Dr. Seuss, and you know it's like well, I got the stars on my belly, so I'm special, and then a dude comes and sells stars to the other sneeches, and then it gets all mixed up right well who's really who's who's really the the real star bellied sneech and it runs through all of these texts, and I mean, even you know we're talking about the you know I was talking about books, but certainly the most famous film that deals with the imitation of life is is the two Imitations of Life, and it's the same thing where you have these people who are black as long as it's black people in the room, right? But when black people leave the room and some white people walk in the room, well. You look like us, so you're one of us. Significantly, the vast majority of these texts, it's women yep. who pass and not men. You know, again, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm going back like twenty, like I'm, I'm like I'm now like parroting something I learned when I was like a sophomore in college. Um, I know Charles Chestnut dealt with with men passing a little bit, but it's always women. I think part of that is because. I mean, let's just get to it. And I think we said it. Like, at the center of this thing is black men having sex with white women. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, like, the most explosive thing in American culture. And, and what does this mean? And just as a point of reference, this comes out in 1966, one year before Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Amen. Which, you know, if you look at Sidney Poitier and that, like, like, how can you get more sort of I mean frankly in this film desexualized like the famous thing about you know um, guess who's coming to dinner is that they never show them kiss no. until the very end and they kiss in the back of the cab but even then you see it as a reflection out of the rearview mirror right. like it's it's and like and it's
1: partly covered up because of be their body language
0: Exactly kind of so, so like the notion of this black male white female sexuality is is one that you know America can't deal with yeah. Yet 1966, like you said, this dude, like at one point, at, like at one point he's in bed with his girlfriend, like when he, when he finds out about his daughter and when he pulls the cover back, like for a split second, I said, is this dude naked? Yeah. Dude. Because
1: it's amazingly sexually charged. I thought about that too, especially in that scene, knowing that it's 1966 and I know it's it's, it's independent and everything but when they showed her in that it showed them in bed i was like like wow that's an amazing amount of cleavage that they're showing on right, her. right she's about to fall yeah. out of it the- yeah and then when he gets up i'm like dude's got on like his tidy whiteies. yeah i can't i don't think I've seen those in movies at that time. Right. Right. You know? Like like
0: I think at this point they're still doing the old school like like you know it's the candles lit and then you get to embrace. Right. And then it cuts to black and then it's or like. Or baby
1: has got the piano the, the the pajama pants on. Right. You know I mean? Right. And
0: it's like the next morning.
1: But it's telling that this film is re- you know we watched it as a Black Klansman but it was originally released as I Cross the Color Line. Right. And the whole the whole um uh, a promotion of the film was basically the sexuality of the film about this this girl who you know just did not care because she had to be with her black man and and, right, right. and the poster original poster is her you know basically uh half dressed and then um uh, a, a image of those two in bed right
0: because his girlfriend in Los Angeles knows he's black right in fact they have uh, they have this crazy ass conversation where he kind of he he kind of like there are all these old notions that kind of bubble up in this film where he kind of says verbatim the tragic mulatto thing mm. and he says we can't have babies together because when you put nitro and you add glycerin you get an explosion and, and you know again it's this old notion that a mixed-race child because of you know the European blood, and the jungle blood of the African makes them crazy. Yeah. So it's, you know, you got all of that going on. And then there's Max Julian.
1: You're all a bunch of cowardly Uncle Toms. You don't deserve to be saved. But I'm going to save. In 48 hours, I can have you all crawling off your knees with a snarl in your teeth that can be heard all the way to Washington, D.C. Look at you! If your proud ancestors could see you now, they'd spit in your cringing faces! Your forefathers were proud men! Proud men! Follow me for 48 hours, and you'll never have to follow anybody again! Don't misunderstand my purpose for being here. I am not a crusader. I create crusaders. I'm a professional. I work for two things. Money and my self-respect. In that order.
0: What the hell is happening? Max Julian is in a different movie.
1: Yes, he is, brother. He is in a totally different movie. I don't know what... He was on. He comes in as one of the northern (laughs) agitators. Um, He's playing Raymond. Uh, He is just thick with his menace and his New Yorkness.
0: Well, you can tell this is the early run for the map.
1: Yeah, but this is like a, this is a few years before
0: the. Match. I know, but <laughs> but and it's like he's in a it's like he's in a totally different film. Like he starts yes, out man. with, "You slaves don't deserve to be free," and and it's this sing songy. It's almost like he's doing beat poetry.
1: And and the, the interesting thing is, is that when he walks in, because of his of his demeanor and his physicality. I thought that what he was going to be, and maybe they are loosely trying to do this. I thought he was going to try to be some kind of, like, bastardized version of Stokey Carmichael. Right, right. But then he opens his mouth, <laughs> right. and I'm like, oh, well, that ain't Stokey. <laughs> right. That it, or if that's Stokey if that's supposed to be Stogie, <laughs> Stogie needs to go on like, somebody's mouth I,
0: I remember you, you know this is like we said it's, it's schlocky it's it's sort of pulpy it's sort of let's go the acting is not good so you know the readings are very wooden and I remember you know I'm watching it and I'm watching it, and I'm you know I'm taking notes and I got you know I'm looking up the stuff about Jesse Fawcett and them doing all this, and I just remember when he starts into that initial spiel mm-hmm I looked up and said, what, what, whoa, what, what is happening right now? Because he really is. And you know, in a weird, in a strange movie, I like a weirdo. Like, I like the fact that he just went for it.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't. Um, because <laughs> because he, I mean, I mean, again, not great acting. But the acting is trying to be realistic
0: right 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 he
1: comes in (laughs) on like he's just in a like you say he's in another freaking movie so i'm like what the hell is he doing and then he's got this big you know dude walking behind him um his goon goon is the word (laughs) he is he is just goon that i think this is, is is um his credit goon yeah um and and then Because, you know, he comes in and he basically wants to show the town, you know, what for. And the town doesn't buy into it. But the only one guy does, who was the brother of the young man who who got lynched. So you understand that. The town doesn't buy into it um, when he walks into this bar. Who, the bar is run by Whitman Mayo, who is... Oh, Grady. (laughs) That's Grady. I mean, of course he's Grady, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And he's almost unrecognizable. No, I recognize him as Grady. Did you Yeah, the I did. Second the second I saw him I said that's Grady. Yeah. And he talk, he talked, but then the second he walked, I was like that's Grady's walk. Right, right, right. I mean, right. I'm like I think this man was born Grady. Right, so, right. So um so 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 only the one guy buys into it. buys into his plan. Which I don't know what it is. Right, right. Except that he's going to Kidnap the white girlfriend. Why? Because she's the white girlfriend. And and, and nobody doesn't even know she's the white girlfriend. No, no, no. He
0: can, so she can drive the car, so they can escape. I see the plan. Like I understand. Okay, but it's, drive it, the car for it's, what? It's very convoluted. Like it's very much like I think after the film, he didn't actually get lynched, but be, it left like marks on his neck. So he went and put a mask on, and then he became Cobra Commander. <laughs> Like it's very much a Cobra plan. Like it's so convoluted, and it's like so we're gonna shoot him up, but then we gotta escape, and you gonna drive us because you white. Wait, and they my car dear- they carjack a dude.
1: Right, right. They, they, to switch the cars. Okay, so they so they they carjack some guy, some white guy.
0: And for the record, we've we've seen the film.
1: <laughs> right, and 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 Max Julian walks him off off camera and kills him. Yes. Uh, so so he just kills this innocent white guy. Yes. Um,
0: because it's the revolution
1: exactly and, and and it's going to be televised, damn it <laughs> in the black Klansman um so then he gets into the car with the white with the 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 kidnapped white girlfriend right andrea is her name um who is now going to drive the car where away but what are they doing no no, away no
0: from what? no, no after he shoots up the clan meeting. Oh, so, so So then remember they get into the trunk. Well, his like the two dudes get into the trunk That's and right. then he gets in the back seat and points the gun at her, and the worst racist policeman on earth put the flashlight in the car and see her and says, She's a white lady, take the flashlight out of her face and let her drive. But they don't see him right behind her with the gun.
1: Yeah. Um it's a bad plan. You think. <laughs> but but hey. It, it, the whole idea of him trying to infiltrate the, the Ku Klux Klan to me seems like a bad plan as well.
0: Jerry's plan. Jerry's right, plan right, it right. It's
1: kind of convoluted as well. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's, And yet, I still kind of like the movie. I mean, I
0: absolutely like I absolutely think, you know, there there's an energy to it. I think, um, you know, like I said, if if you want to talk about passing i mean what's the next passing movie after this i don't know if the second imitation of life is before is before this is before like so both versions are before, before this. this yeah so like you know what's the next passing movie i mean i, I mean i'm the sure watermelon man would you say the watermelon man but watermelon man he's not passing and oh, that's true. right He turns, that's i true. mean the next all right everybody I'm about to spoil something like I'm about to I I know, like my niece says, sometimes she doesn't listen. Well, You just said it's
1: not passing. You don't have to. No,
0: no, no. But but uh, but the movie, the movie that I'm thinking about that does have passing, the fact that I'm going to say it has passing is in itself a spoiler. So everybody close your uh, close your eyes, close your ears for like the next 30 seconds. If you don't want to be spoiled about a movie that we'll probably watch here on the Michelle mission, there's passing in devil in a blue dress.
1: Yeah, because that remember that's the that whole is. thing. Yeah,
0: and right. and the thing about Devil in a Blue Dress is that you have Jennifer Beals right. playing a black woman, and Jennifer Beals is you know I'm not sure how she actually identifies herself, but she she is of African descent, like she's yeah. biracial. She has you know black. She's black. Yeah. So that you know, I always think about Devil in a Blue Dress because that's one of if the that may be the I know um here's another spoiler thirty more seconds like the human stain. Mm. Has a dude passing? Yeah, and I forget who plays him in the film version, but you know there aren't a lot of passing not movies. A lot,
1: not, not a lot. And
0: no. you know, I, I do. I think if you're talking about America and you're talking about construction of race and the history of construction of race, and specifically the construction of whiteness, mm-hmm. passing is one of those things that you know there aren't a whole lot of text, so. If you don't want to watch *Imitation of Life* again with your grandmother, you can watch *The Black Klansmen
1: streaming for free on uh, streaming for free. Or, you know, got Amazon Prime on
0: Amazon Prime.
1: It, it, it's uh, it's a, it's a very interesting film. Uh, this is a film I wouldn't. I honestly wouldn't mind seeing remade. It can still be, and it doesn't even have to be like updated, like for it to be put now no but I think because I think there's enough there that you could remake this film keep it set in that time and it being just as vital because think about it this film th- these issues are every bit as vital today. Oh yeah um to...
0: one dude I-, I forgot to talk about with this we, we talked about him with um Carmen Jones
1: mm-hmm.
0: NAACP president Walter White. Yeah, You know, he almost infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan, because if you've seen a picture of him, he looks like a white man. Apparently, the dude who was going to bring him in got wind of the fact that he was actually black. And it kind of but but, you know, even before that, he turned over all of the information that he got Mm -hmm. to the FBI because, you know, again, the Ku Klux Klan. Was a secret organization, like no people didn't know. You know all this stuff, all this stuff that we see of the meetings and and the
1: cross burnings and the initiations. It it was a secret society. I think for the most part, the Ku Klux Klan are one of the few organizations out there that you can pretty much put in a movie, and you know that's the enemy. Like you can put Nazis in a movie, all right, they're the bad guys. Right. You can put Ku Klux Klan in a movie, they're the bad guys. You know it. Right. You know, like, you know, that's shorthand. That's movie shorthand right there. Right. Um, But I I think it's also very interesting that and I've always thought this, that the Ku Klux Klan, as much as they want to argue for, you know, their right to exist. Right. And, you know, their mission. You know, being a pure mission or whatever. Sure, I think that um, it's telling that as much as people get down on the Black Panthers, Black Lives Matter now, yeah, um, uh, and some people even get down on the Anti Defamation League, right? You know, um, all of those other organiz- organizations operate in the light. Yes. You can look at their board members. Yes. You can see who they are. Yes. They don't hide behind a mask. Yes. And
0: consistently. Yes. Like like I've, I've heard. I, I've they heard, didn't have to be out. Right. Of I've heard members of, of the Ku Klux Klan in the past 10 years say that, you know, because of political correctness and because, you know, everyone has taken, you know, between the Jews and the blacks, they've turned everybody against us. So now I have to hide my identity for my own safety.
1: But, you know, from day 0. Yeah, but I exactly. Right. And and I, and this, I is when, and this is and this we're talking about when you were the superior. Yeah. When people were inviting you to their cookouts you would, and their picnics. You would have parades. You would still have on your mask. Yeah. So don't give us that crap. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. So, I didn't like again about the Max Julian character. I mean um you couldn't root for him just as an actor and nor could you root for him um his storyline in this film because right. he was every bit the northern agitator. He said
0: I'm in it for the money and I'm in it for my self-respect exactly. in that order.
1: Exactly. Yet and, and yet still I didn't like seeing what became of him in this movie. Yeah, for lack of spoiling it. Yeah. Yeah I, I I felt that that was maybe a step that they didn't have to go. Yeah. To.
0: Yeah. And you know not for nothing. I don't know much about um Ted Mickles and his own personal beliefs. But I have to say I was uncomfortable with the caricature of the northern organizer coming in and 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 he's represented by Max Julian. Mm. And you know he is mercenary, and he is just an agitator, and 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 you know it 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 kind of cleaved a little uncomfortably close to what segregationists used to say about freedom riders about people you you know mostly college students and young people who would come in and help people i mean hell that's what they said about dr king if you were outside of montgomery that you know they came in from that you know they don't understand our relationship with our negroes and their agitators and their communists and all of this stuff so while i enjoyed max julian eating up every bit of scenery and just sort of being on his own and doing his Max Julian because you know I love Max Julian but Max Julian is an acquired taste in every film he's in as an actor because he always just sort of has this weird you know this kind of he's half sleep half cool maybe high cadence about him Mm -hmm. when he acts and so you know but the character is is and and uh, as you said, he takes a guy out in the field and kills him to steal the car, and it's like, damn, what was all that about? And, and, and you know, it, and and it kind of sets up this um this unfair duality between exactly. the between the organizer and the Ku Klux Klan. So it's like the Ku Klux Klan kills people, and this o- outside organizer killed somebody too, but like that never actually happened. Mm-hmm. So you know. But that's a little
1: thing. Yeah,
0: I think it's I think it's much more interesting about this film than not interesting.
1: Very true. Uh, like we said, the Black Klansman is available if you're an Amazon Prime member, and if you're not, why not? Because it's like great, you know, free like free shipping. On Amazon It's like killer. Uh, but if you you have Amazon Prime, it's streaming right now. You can check it out. Um,
0: I think it might be on YouTube too.
1: It may be. I, yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, but it's it's a an, it's an interesting film.
0: It's an interesting it's film, interesting and film. and it's it's a nice stretch of a film. And and again, I think when we talk about films from the '60s and black films from the '60s, I think a lot of times you get the usual suspects. So I was happy that I had watched it. I you know I never saw it before. So
1: yeah, exactly. I I. I That's interesting you say that because there's a film that I know we're going to be getting to um, sooner than later. If I have my have my dithers um, here uh, that a lot of people tout for Um, and it's not it it wasn't done not long after this film. And um, I can't wait to do that because I
0: can you say what the film
1: is? Uh, the spook that sat by the door.
0: Oh, Lord, have mercy. We've had spook that sat by the door conversations in here. Okay, yes. yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, and and uh, this movie, like, brought that to mind.
0: Oh, that's interesting. That kind of, because, I have inside information. And right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's an, oh. I never would have thought to put those together. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So
1: I'll be interested to... Uh, to talk about that film okay exactly how that film handles yes you know as opposed to this film right um but that'll be coming uh, sometime later yeah, sooner than later we're doing all of them yeah <laughs> we've got time <laughs> we're gonna slow walk this um th- th- somewhere down the line on the michelle mission uh ladies and gentlemen uh next we are we're still digging the crates of Amazon Prime and next week our film is going to be from 1939. We're going further back. We're going back to the uh the um the uh the the, the year of the year of the birth of Batman actually. Birth of Batman it was 1939.
0: I'm I'm am a pressy Bat Triple. What month?
1: Um May.
0: Was it May? Yeah, it was May. Okay.
1: It was May.
0: Um do you want to know the date? Do you know the date? May twentieth. May twentieth, nineteen thirty nine. Detective number. Detective Comics
1: twenty seven. There you go. Oh, dude! Come on, dude! I, 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm tossing you softballs. I know, <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. So we're gonna dig into nineteen thirty nine. It's gonna be Paradise in Harlem, ah, a musical. All right, a musical. Very nice. From nineteen thirty nine. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, next week here on the show mission and that's available on Amazon Prime so look that up on Amazon Prime you can get a peek at that uh, before we do our little review so uh, would you recommend it recommend what the Black Landsman. oh yeah well we do, yeah yeah. Okay. I, think, I think you should see it okay all right. I think you should definitely see this film it's, it, it's cool it, it's, um, it's better than The Last Dragon <sighs> this
0: is <laughs> I mean hey man you I... gonna keep it up you gonna keep it up <laughs> you're going to keep it. time going to come here, drop, kick. Me. Not even time. Act, you know, just the, just, just the ghost of Shona, just the last dragon people. You know, I mean, I ride with you, but hey, man, you're not you, you <laughs> <I> duck. You're <laughs> going <laughs> to stop poking the bear. You're going to stop poking the bear. I know. I know that you're going
1: to stop poking the bear. All right, ladies and gentlemen um, thank you for each and every one of you who've been giving us feedback feel free to continue keep that feedback coming you can email us at the Michelle uh, at Michelle mission at gmail.com you can also reach us on Twitter at Mission Michelle find us on Facebook at the Michelle mission like us on on, on there um, or you can leave your comments and concerns via iTunes or on SoundCloud and we really love you read us us a nice ranking and uh, comment on iTunes because that helps people find the show and it uh, gets out there a little bit more noticeable and as always you can find the Michelle Mission on the Black Tribbles Podcast Network so that was it for Vincenzo this is Lenzenzo and in parting we say we'll see
0: you when it's time to meet again